Lord God, Heavenly Father, we, we must confess whether we are more like the younger brother or the elder brother, we have failed you. We have wanted the things of the Father, but Lord, we haven't necessarily wanted you. And Lord, we ask your forgiveness, we ask your grace, we ask you and to remind us again of our longing for the true elder brother today. Teach us through your word, we pray, as you live and as you reign as one God now and always. Amen. I invite you now to be seated. And, and as you are, I, I want to ask you, if, if you remember back in school, some of you are still in school, and, and hopefully all of us are still learning because that's a lifelong thing. Um, do you remember things like this? I'll show you a picture in school. And, and these are little quizzes to test our mind skills and our ability to notice. Do you see anything different between those two pictures? What's the difference? Now, you'll notice I chose a picture to remind us of the sunny days of this past summer, and you might say, we never had days like that. Well, just warm your hearts today, and as winter is approaching. What is different? Shout out your answers. Some of you are noticing maybe the umbrella, there's a difference there in the pattern. How, how about the sun? Any difference there? The towel? Anybody noticing a difference with the fruit? How about the ice cubes? How about the surfboard? Surfs up, surfs down. Okay. Anything else? The towel? The pail? And in case you didn't notice them all, let's look at the next slide. It gives you all the answers. There they are. Polka dots, top of the umbrella. I mean, there's, there's a lot to this. You know, what's difference? In the comparison of two pictures, and, and what's changed, what's different? You know, what we've been, I hope, noticing is God is giving us a comparison as we've been studying God's Word in Luke chapter 15. And if you will, and you want to, open up to God's Word again in the Scriptures and in the, the worship Bibles. And a few weeks back, we, we spent more time looking at context because context, as uh, Pastor Keller has been teaching us, and there's some brilliant insights in this, there's a lot of contrast going on in the setup that, of who Jesus is speaking to, uh, the two groups, the, the sinners and, and the tax collectors, as well as really that, that, that marked group of the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that were watching Jesus and trying to trip him up, and they were very critical of things he was saying. And he was, he was speaking to them very boldly. But in one of the huge ways that he speaks to them happens to be, as you've maybe learned this through life, is that sometimes, often, what isn't said is sometimes as important as what is said. Because there's a contrast being made. Jesus is speaking three parables here to these groups. And the first parable he speaks in the beginning of, of chapter 15 after we find out the context of who's there is we looked at this in greater depth some weeks ago is the parable of the lost sheep and the shepherd that goes after the lost sheep. He goes and he seeks to find that which is lost. And there is much celebration and Jesus says there is much celebration and partying in heaven over one lost sinner that repents and over all of those who already were saved. 
Um, Jesus tells the story of a seeking and a finding. Now, in the next parable, he, he gives us a contrast. He says, in much the same way, there's a woman who loses a coin. And, and, and it's, she goes to every extreme to sweep her home to seek and to find that lost object. And in so doing, and she finds it, and Jesus says, there's, there's a party as she invites her friends. And, and there is much rejoicing in heaven in the same way. See how there's seeking and finding that which is lost. Now, if you're following, uh, you know, a, a track here and tracking with Jesus, you would expect in this next story, as Jesus sets up, that there's a son who goes away and is lost. You know, it's implied and very clear he's going to be lost. And he takes what the father has given him, his share of the estate, and he goes off and he squanders it. He spends it all in wild living. Later, through the commentary of his brother, we learn that he squandered it with prostitutes and, and insert every other uh, vile you know, exchange of sin that you could ever imagine. He, he spends it all recklessly. But there's something missing in the third parable. We don't find anybody going after this lost brother. And, and, you know, I'll be honest, I, I've read this many years, you've probably read it many years, and it really wasn't until I read it in, in Keller's book that I'm like, wow, there is something missing here. Nobody goes after the brother. Nobody. The father doesn't go after him. And even more so, culturally, we learn in, in a reading this week, maybe some of you who have already read ahead in, in the chapter called The True Elder Brother saw this insight, and I think it's, it's incredibly profound, is culturally, the one who would have been responsible to go after the, the younger brother would have been the elder brother. And Jesus is silent on that. And, and you know, his hearers would have said, wait a minute, you've just told us two stories of celebration where someone that's, or something that's lost, that someone goes seeking after that lost thing to find it. And here we have a person, a brother, a valued member of the family who is lost and nobody goes. What is Jesus getting at? Could it be, as Keller suggests, and I think he's on to something here, those who know the Father, those who are part of his family, wouldn't you think they would have a heart to go and seek someone who's lost? This is flesh and blood. This is someone that is part of the family. Why would someone in a family say, oh, well, and turn their back? You know, the elder brother has a responsibility here, and the elder brother could care less. Rather, bitterness and anger, and like, yeah, he squanders as well. Whatever, may it so be, just leaves me with what I have. You know, may it never be. Maybe you've been learning and you've been identifying with this, and I certainly have. I mean, there's, if you've been a lifelong believer, there's a lot to relate to in the elder brother. We get smug in our salvation and, and take for granted that, hey, we're part of the family. And you know what? We get so caught up in the holy huddle, we can just totally forget that there are people out there who don't know that love and are dying because they don't have that relationship. You know, I've noticed sometimes the things that people get upset about in churches and the things that they complain about or whine about or are, are passionate about rarely have anything to do with what God is excited about. 
And when we read scripture and we spend time in his word, we find out what God is passionate about and what he gets totally amped up about is people who are lost. And he calls his church to have the same passion. But often we don't. We get caught up in like, I don't like that hymn. I can't believe they dressed that way. Can you believe that kid that was texting during church? That's terrible. And meanwhile, we go home and we have neighbors who don't know Jesus or people we spend time with in our coffee circles that don't know Christ, and we never think to bring it up. And they're dying, and they're lost. May it never be. May our God awaken our hearts and our minds to how lost we truly all are, whether elder brothers or lost younger sons. God has called us, and he's given us an incredible gift. And what's missing in the story when we contrast it is there's a big piece missing. And it says, if Jesus is saying what you're longing for in the missing piece of the story, I've come to bring. Tim Keller brings up, and he alludes to a story, and he doesn't give us much. And, and it, it perked my interest because I'd never heard this story before. Um, it's a story about a man by the name of, of Daniel, um, oh, what's his name? Um, um, Dan, I forget the last name, Dawson, Daniel Dawson. He was a lieutenant in the Army uh, during uh, uh, the war in, in Vietnam. And uh, Lieutenant Daniel Dawson flies over Vietnam on a, on a reconnaissance mission and his plane goes down, and he's reported as missing in action. And, and meanwhile, his, his family back home, he has an older brother named Donald. And uh, what I found in a greater research online, it's incredible, is Time Magazine reported this story, and it was big news at the time, that this older brother, Donald, he actually sold everything he had and left his wife and his kids with basically $20 and said, I'm going to find my brother. I, I, I want to find him. And, and he flies over to Vietnam. He dons soldiers' uh, uniform and uh, he, he creates flyers or little pamphlets written in Vietnamese that have a picture of a plane and a picture of his brother and, and, and showed that there's, there's going to be a reward to anybody who, who has seen him or could successfully turn in the, his lost brother. And, and he actually roams the jungles of Vietnam, you know, and think about the guerrillas of warfare going on and what was happening. Word gets out among both the American troops as well as the Vietnamese and, and Viet Cong that, that this man is after his brother. And, and he gets labeled the, uh, the pilot's brother. Is, and there's a, a Vietnamese a little phrase they give for this man. And he becomes legendary as he roams the jungles searching for his lost brother. I mean, can you imagine selling everything you have, giving everything you are, and, and going and risking everything, your very life, to find your lost brother? Nine months later, he emerged from the jungle uh, to one of our, our U.S. Army bases. And, and four of those months were spent just roaming the jungle. Five of the months were spent being a prisoner of war. And uh, it was discovered that he was too late. His brother was no longer alive. And, and, and you think, oh, how tragic, right? But what a passion, what a heart to go and find that which is lost to sell everything. You know what Jesus reminds us here is that, you know, it would cost a lot for the older brother to welcome back 
that younger son. And, and that's part of the anger, that's part of the bitterness. Like, how, how dare dad throw this big party and welcome my brother home? Because what this was going to mean is welcoming him into the family again would mean now what's left of the inheritance, what's left of the estate, now would be divided again with the younger brother if he was reinstated. And the older brother says, how dare he? That's not fair. That belongs to me. And it's territorial and it's based in bitterness. It's not based in a heart of love and compassion for what is lost. Jesus is teaching us that though we are sinful, there is a longing here for an elder brother who would truly step in. One that would truly pay the ultimate price, who would spend it all. It would cost him everything. It would. You know, the scriptures say it again and again that what he was willing to lay down in giving his very life as a sacrifice for us is our true elder brother, the one who in compassion and love, the one who comes to seek and to save that which is lost. Elder brothers, younger brothers, people who are far from God, and yet God has come near to them to pay that ultimate price. And it would cost more than money. It would cost his very life. Another example of this, I remember reading this as, as a kid, a story, you know, in the early days of settlement out on the, the open prairies of, of the Midwest and, and out in Kansas and other places, you know, often these, these fires would, would come up, grass fires, and they'd sweep across the plains. And, and if you were a settler out there, that would be one of your greatest fears. Is these fires would, I mean, you couldn't stop it. And, and, and there was a story I remember as a kid of, of this discovery after one of these fires swept across the plain. The survivors went to find a, uh, others that maybe lost their lives, and they found a, a young man, maybe 18 years of age. Um, he was turned down, facing the dirt. It was clearly trying to huddle to avoid the fire, but it, it, he didn't escape it. He was charred uh, beyond recognition. He was, he was dead and sad. And, and yet, as they turned his body over, underneath him, they found a young boy, uh, maybe four years of age, maybe three years of age, and he was perfectly fine. And as they put it all together, they realized his older brother had saved his younger brother by giving his life. What a beautiful picture of sacrifice. You know, and our God does that for us. He is willing to pay the ultimate price. That's what Jesus came to do. He knew it ahead of time, and he willingly, purposely gave it all so that you and I might have life. Now, we know his story doesn't end there. He rises again and gives victory. And we have a God who is alive and an elder brother who is very much on our side today, who intercedes for us on behalf of the Father, a God who goes before us, a God who gives us strength, who stands along us, carries us, and, and walks with us at all times. That we're not alone in this day. Oh, man, what an elder brother to have, to know he's with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you're a God who lives for us, a God, an elder brother who comes to lay down his life and pay the ultimate price. We ask your forgiveness. We, we ask your grace as you restore us to the family. When we've strayed, when we are lost, you come and you seek and you find us. We praise you for it today. Now we pray you'd also replace that heart of brokenness with a heart of compassion and love for those who don't know you, that we join in the search to seek and to save those who don't know you. Lord, bless us as a family in Christ and as your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.